about time for true crime. Hello. It has been a minute since you heard from me. Sorry about it, but not that sorry because last week was a lot. And then we recorded my entire murder and then Audacity shut down and uh, didn't save any of it. So I I wasn't about to do that again. So sorry for you guys. I'll record it. You'll hear it again some other time, though. We did just sort of decide it was, you know, the universe telling us it was not the time. And we just closed the laptop and said goodnight. (laughs) So, hey. So we're back. Missed you. Um, Yeah. Giving you all big cheek kisses and happy to be back. We are. So we're like probably a week and a half post our first episodes coming out. And y'all, there's over 700 of you. That's insanity. You nutty people, you. Honestly, you guys, first of all, how is your therapist? Because I hope you have one. Um, (laughs) Yikes. 700 is a lot for murder, but I'm so excited. I'm so, like, I hope there's more. I want other people to be into this, too. We really appreciate it. We love that you guys want to come hang out with us. And if you want to help us out, it would be oh so lovely of you. And I will boop your nose and give you all the hugs. If you tell a friend, tell a friend, um, Hey, you know what? Tell your parents, but only if they're okay with the word fuck. Um, sorry, mom. Sorry, dad. Yeah, please do that. And then, you know, give us a rate on Apple podcast. Um, maybe give us a cute little subscribe. That would actually be really great because I don't know if you guys know this, but podcasts usually, um, are determined. They're kind of like success based off of ratings and subscribers. So we love that you're listening. Please keep it up. Share it with anybody you want. But if you really like us, maybe hit a button. Yeah, please just, you know, spread spread the good word, man. That could be very cool. That would be just super fun because we just want to be able to keep doing this. And anyone who wants to join us, we would love for you to join the fam. Yes. And you know what? I just, uh, I'm bursting i'm overflowing with so many murders to share oh my god there's so much moida so you guys you have no idea what i've planned i had the one from last week that didn't pan out so we're gonna have to re-record that sometime and then i have a multi-part series that's gonna be way more than two that's actually kind of in the current events right now um a little bit there are some things happening and i'm so freaking excited i have so many things planned for you many of them almost prepped all of them not prepped except for the one that I'm doing now and the one I had last week. <laughs> well, and also, by this time, you've heard our organized versus disorganized episode. What did you think? Oh my gosh, guys, did you like it? You have to tell us if it's bad. Be honest. Because it, like, we like it, but we can talk about it without recording it. Um, you won't hurt our feelings, but like, could you tell us? Like, Tell us, but tell us nice. Like, Don't be a dick about oh it. Oh my god, please don't be rude. Like, We don't want to hear about how much you just hate when I say truly. I get it. Or heinous. Or heinous. Or fair. Fair? Fair. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Um, But in all seriousness, thank you so much, you guys, for being flexible and also for sticking around and for listening and telling anybody that you told because sick. Yeah, we love you. You get get like an honorary like little cheek kiss. Yes. Like mm, if you're listening, right there. (gasps) Oh, my goodness. Right on the nose. Oh, that's adorable. Boop. Little boop. Um, so what I didn't get to tell you last week because I didn't get to record was that I have been, um, 
insanely busy, but traveling a lot. And I've been trying to do thematic murders based off of the places I've been. So this last weekend, I went to Maine. Um, I did have brunch with some great goats, just a heads up. They were very cute. Um, There is a goat there named Abigail. And same. So we're best friends. And this is the second year we found each other and we hung out. Is this a tradition? I think it's going to be. I think Abigail and I need like a hang every year. Oh my goodness, I love that. It's very cute. Um, Actually, my Instagram photo is me with her. <laughs> I love it. But I did get a great brunch, but also a lot of good murders from looking up Maine murders. We're in Maine. So we're in Maine. And one of the things I found out was that Maine has one of the lowest murder rates out of all the states. Um, don't get me wrong. I don't know where on the list they fall. I'm sure it's higher than some places and lower than others. But I know it. Well, w- that just makes sense. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to call it a really good guess. Thanks. I'm really good at statistics (laughs) and I would say it probably falls within one standard deviation above or below the norm. Yes. Yes. There you go. Likely. However, it was interesting to me as someone who grew up right outside of Chicago because this one had, it's a multiple murder. There's multiple victims, but no more than a hand. And this was the worst crime they'd seen in like 14 years. Is no more than a hand like a like a midwest saying i don't know but i just didn't want you to think it was going to be like a mass murder i've never heard anybody in new england say that oh like it wasn't like wicked bad oh okay like it was bad but not wicked bad oh okay like that well i wonder if that's just because you know chicago murder rates are like yeah, a lot of people died, but no more than a hand. You know oh what I mean? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Don't you know? A lot of people don't say that. I'm just weird. I, it's okay. <laughs> We're just nutty here, you guys. Um, But yeah, so I just thought that was interesting and really cute because I was like, oh, Maine. Get it. Maine. You little peaceful folk. I love it. They're little goats. But this is not peaceful. Do you oh, hear about it? I would love to hear about it. Hit me. I'm so pumped. So. I want to go into the bed and breakfast murders. I've never heard of this. I'm going to take you all the way back to the mysterious year of 2006. Oh my goodness. We're staying in this like early 2000s this last couple of weeks here. Labor Day weekend. I can't prove it. And I actually probably could if I looked it up, but I didn't. Um, From self-experience, I can tell you maybe Aaron Carter was like bumping. Could have been NSYNC. Could have been Backstreet Boys, but I guarantee you somewhere someone had all three of those posters in their room. It was you, wasn't it? Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was more of like a One Direction kid myself. Really? Um, I really like an Irish accent. That's all I'll say. Oh, my God. I was the Justin Bieber kid, and I went to two concerts Hair when I was younger. City. Absolutely. Like, one time was my jam. I recorded it. Like, I held my little flip phone next (laughs) to the computer and I recorded it and made that my ringtone I love that and I went to two concerts and I was probably in the nosebleeds or close to it but I could have sworn he looked at me oh and I was like oh my god that's it he knew it was I'm the one you know I'm his wife I'm baby 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 oh baby 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 I love that for you yeah baby 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 no Yeah, no, I don't, I never went too hard. I did like One Direction. I had a friend that was like, into them. So I, uh, you know, by association, also got into them. But um, 
I I was quoted as saying, you know, he's the Irish one plays the guitar and that's what makes them a band because otherwise you're just a cappella. Oh my god. I'm not wrong. I liked the fray back then. Ugh. You guys, I just like screamed some of the fray. But um it always reminds me of Grey's Anatomy. Oh, because they'd always use those songs. Yes, yeah. they'd always use them like right when a major character dies. You're like, Fuck, thanks. Or thanks like, to that association. Or when they had this super gimmicky looking like surgery they were doing that looked so unrealistic. Yes, I loved it. And you're like, wow, the dramatic music is really like. Really getting me it, through this. It's trying. It's trying so hard to <laughs> save the scene. <laughs> Sometimes it worked. Other times not so much. Oh, well, that's that's debatable. Yeah, if you have to rely on your music to get your point across, it's not a good script, but it is a good production. Sure. Shout out to the music people. Shout out. So we're in Maine. It's 2006. Yep. Um, it is a great fall weekend. Friday and Saturday, beautiful, like 70 degrees, low 70s, like hanging out in the 60s. Sunday and Monday, Monday, it gets a little bit rainy, but still like warm and nice, but cold enough that you can wear a sweatshirt. So it's like perfect fall weather that is the perfect fall weather and also like i feel like really probably picturesque to go to like a bed and breakfast in maine well yeah so i was also gonna say i looked this up um i could not find exactly what it was the weekend of but a few weeks later on the 20th so oh let's see we're at like the 6th of september so in two weeks they said that the foliage was 50 to 75 percent of what it was going to be like at peak foliage mm. so i can assume there was at least a little bit and it was starting to change and in my mind that just makes us like the perfect fall like oh it's cold i finally get to put on leggings and a big sweatshirt and like, i know i can or, finally wear my flannels again sorry it's 2006 i can finally put on my leggings and my denim jean skirt and my tank top <laughs> and the shirt under the tank top and the long scarf that i got from charming charlie's on top of it you mean I can't wear my Hollister collared shirt anymore? Damn, I need, a, I need a sweater over it. Shit. Yeah, literally. So it was about that time. And I don't know. That's always my favorite part of fall is right at that transition. And when you can finally like start bundling up again and the crisp air comes in. It is so. the best time of year. Yes. So in my mind, I'm like, mm, cozy, going to a bed and breakfast. We're going to relax for a bit, like see the views, maybe go take a hike get murdered have a breakfast what was it what, what did you get what oh um yeah. sorry we'll get there so oh okay. just like a delightful week <laughs> i mean sounds just beautiful oh charming truly yeah. so that's where we're at right now it's beautiful we're gonna zoom in on a place called black bear inn now there are five different players and you get to choose who we're gonna start with so, there's Julie Ballard, Selby Ballard, Christian Nielsen, James Whitehurst, and Cynthia Beetson. The second one. Selby. Okay. I kind of like that name, so we're just rolling with it. The thing is, they're all connected. So, wherever we start, we're going to end up meeting everybody, and then we'll get into the story. But I think it's fun. Oh, my God. This is like a choose-your-own-adventure. I literally said, pick your player. <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay, I call Selby. Do um, I want to be Selby? I don't know about that. <laughs> well, I don't know that you want to be any of them. But to be fair. Trick question. Trick question. Um, A good reminder. I do kind of want to figure out how to do a choose your own adventure murder in the future. Like we start with one and then like, okay, who do you want to go to for the next part of the story? But I didn't get that far with this one. I do think this works 
and we'll see how it kind of plays out in actually listening and if that works out well. How creative. But I'm really excited. Okay, we'll do that. So Selby is a 30-year-old and she is the daughter of Julie Ballard. Okay. Julie Ballard owns the inn. So Selby's her daughter. They both moved to Maine because although they used to live in San Francisco, Selby's uh, husband actually unfortunately died in a car accident Mm -hmm. and so to sort of move on to bigger and better things her and her mom went out to Maine and her mom opened up this bed and breakfast and it was really nice because she owned one in San Francisco that did really well so she knew the trade and they were just like you know what we're gonna start over we're gonna go somewhere fresh we're gonna you know do the thing that sounds wholesome it's really sweet and you know Selby had two kids she had a 12 year old daughter and an eight-year-old son their names I did not look up because they're not involved and they don't need to be, you mm-hmm. know, or rehashed any of this. I hope they don't have like a Google alert set up for their name and have to hear stuff every time. So I'm going to leave that be. But she did have two kids um, and she had lots of good friends in the area. She did try a bunch of different jobs. So they moved out there and girl really made it work. Like her husband passed. I can assume that took some sort of economic toll on the family, whether or not he was the sole worker or not. You know what I mean? You're still having to take care of three other people. And she really, she had to do the thing. It was her and her two kids. Mm -hmm. So she tried running an eyeglass spot for a while. They filled prescriptions. It didn't sound like they had an eye doctor there, but like they just gave the glasses out and filled those. She tried waitressing for a little bit And actually, she even did nails, which I thought was interesting. Like, sounded like she worked at a salon, like, giving acrylic sets and stuff. I was like, ooh, okay. Um, But recently, she just finished real estate school and got her license to be a realtor, which is super cool. And that led her to meet Cynthia Beetson, her coworker at Apple Tree Realty. And that is who she showed up to the inn with. So they're going on, like, a girls' weekend? No. Oh, Cynthia, who's 43. So Selby's 30. Cynthia's a little bit older, but they're coworkers. They're mm-hmm. like good friends. Um, she goes up with Selby that day, and she was going to spend like the last half of the weekend with her there. And Julie, who is Selby's mom, who owns the inn, they were worried about her. They hadn't heard from her. Okay. So that's why they went up. They're going to chill, hang, kind of kick it because Selby's mom, Julie, had some like bad asthma and they thought it might just be like an asthma attack thing because she sometimes would have like fits of coughing and they just like couldn't talk. So they're so. a little bit worried about her. So they figure they'll just go out for the weekend and check on her. Yeah. So Cynthia goes with Selby. It's really Selby's thing, though. Yep. Um, Cynthia did have a husband, Doug Beetson, and he was a contractor in the area and they had a child together, which hmm. is very sweet. And at the end, actually, we hear a little bit from that child, but similar to the way that Selby's kids won't be mentioned by name, I don't want to include Cynthia's child because, once again, this isn't about them and they deserve to move past that. But also, it has literally no impact on the story and the event that happens. Right. We can omit it and not lose any, like, factual importance. So, from Cynthia, we're going to go back to Selby and make a jump up quick to her mom, Julie. Julie Ballard was 65 years old, and when they were in California, she did have a bed and breakfast, so when they moved to Maine, she converted an old, like, farmhouse, basically, into a bed and breakfast with a tennis court and a pool, Um, and she was really excited about it. She was hoping it would, like, attract skiers and that people would be into it for, like, the leaf drives and all that when the foliage starts to change, and 
by all accounts, it mostly was. But as I'm sure you can imagine, um, it's hard, you know, it's hard to make ends meet, especially when you're in a new place. You don't know a lot of people. And even though she had a good, you know, background with a bed and breakfast, it's a new demographic. It's a new set of people. And I'm sure your seasons change, right? Like in California, it's beautiful all year long. People are going to go there to vacation in Maine it's kind of seasonal. Like people aren't really probably going to be up much during the winter. You know what I mean? Unless they're like hiking and skiing yeah, or skiing. But if you're not on a mountain, it would probably be pretty hard to be the consistent lodging that those people would go to. So anyway, it was hard to make ends meet. Usually a combination of all the things, you know what I mean? I assume it was a little bit trying your hand at it, a little bit learning the area, a little bit learning the people and location matters. So I I'm not going to lie to you, I didn't look up on a Google map where this was in relation to any of the major attractions in Maine, but they said it was like 45 minutes north of Portsmouth. Okay. So pretty close to the main New Hampshire border, which makes sense. It's where like a lot of the people are. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're at. And Julie decided to name it the Black Bear Bread and Breakfast, which is just so freaking cute. That is the most Maine name. Like she hit that on the nose. I know. The, like I can see the bears, the red and black flannel, like the buffalo plaid, you know? Yep. And the fire outside. The fire. There's probably a fireplace inside. And like the I cute picture mugs. Oh, the cute, cute little, little mugs. mugs. And I picture like um homemade quilts on like all the beds. Oh. Like that's kind of the vibe I get. Like, yeah. But not like too rustic and wooden no. where it's like We're not pulling like a Catherine night where there's rusty animal traps to step in. Okay. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. So love to see it. That's Julie. Then we're going to go over to James Whitehurst, who is an employee of Julie's kind of. So Julie rented out a room to James for free in exchange for him doing handiwork around the place. So he would like fix the broken lights, go, you know, fix the door that's falling off the hinges, all the kind of maintenance things that... You probably need a little bit of niche experience to have, but most people wouldn't have all of that niche experience put together. So that was a really nice way to work out. And he had only been there for like a month. And by all accounts, he has been the most elusive of all of the people in the story. I don't know a lot about him. There's not a lot out there about him that I saw. Which is wild because I have sources, y'all. Like you can read through this. I think there's at least 10 it's awful. I can't figure it out. So I was a little worried there was going to be no resolution on him, but there does turn out to be a little bit of one. Okay. So he was a 50 year old, but what's interesting about James actually, aside from the fact that he didn't pay for the room that he stayed at was he had only been there for like a month. He said he was there on family business, but he was originally from Batesville, Arkansas. So by all other accounts, he was a nice guy who helped Julie out with maintenance, but that's it. That's all we know. That's all we got. That's all she wrote, guys. And then the only other player in this whole thing is Christian Nielsen, who also got a rent from Julie or rented a room from Julie. And he was a cook at an inn nearby. He had moved kind of back to the region a little bit before and was looking for what he wanted to do. And he got a job as a cook at another inn. And so I don't know if he wasn't allowed to stay there or if he didn't want to stay there, which I kind of get. I think if I worked somewhere, I wouldn't want to live there either, you mm-hmm. know? That whole shit where you eat thing. Yeah. Or cook in his case. So he was described by his boss as reliable, soft-spoken, quiet, a good cook by all intents and purposes. Um, I wrote LOL. Probably a good thing because he cooks there. (laughs) (laughs) 
Wow. I'm so easily amused. So (laughs) he had grown up in the Oxford County area, but lived in Farmington for several years before he moved back. Okay. So I don't think this is in Farmington, but, you know, it sounds like he kind of went a little bit further away and roped his way back in there. So he had moved to the Black Bear Inn over the summer when he got his job as the head cook at the Sudbury Inn. Um, And he worked the Sunday night and the Tuesday night of Labor Day weekend. So he had stuff to do. He was in and out. So he wasn't there the whole time. Not the whole time. So now we're going to go back to September 6th, 2006. I'm so excited because I know what happens and you don't. So (laughs) (laughs) on Monday... So I lied. It wasn't the 6th. We're reeling it back into Monday the 4th. <laughs> Police received a call. No, people are going to die. <laughs> From a Mr. and Mrs. Nielsen around 530. 911 called, said that there was a dead woman at the inn that their son begged them to come up to. And also upon initial investigation, there was a blood trail that led to a deceased woman's body behind the inn. And also found in the inn, and this is a big old content warning and trigger warning for anybody out there. Um, There were three dead dogs. Oh, what the fuck, Abby? Sorry. (laughs) If it helps, that is the most jarring part of it. And it must not have been heinous because it was only mentioned in two of the articles. And none of them were like bloody or gory. I don't care. Okay, I know. It it doesn't make it better, but at least it wasn't a violent end for the wonderful little puppies. Oh, God, I love the animals. Me too. So. Apparently not. You're choosing stories where they get killed. Well, I didn't know. I found this (laughs) in, like, one of my later articles. Anyway. So, officials, when commenting among the first showing up, called it a crime of horrific proportion. So, she was found outside. A woman. We don't have an identity on okay, that woman. Okay, but the woman is like around back, like in the yeah. backyard? That's what it okay. sounds like. And the dogs are inside? Yes. Okay. So they find this and they were like, shit, this is nasty. So then they do a walkthrough and they find three women membered in the rooms of the inn. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, not great. And then they actually wouldn't even comment on how they were dismembered, which to me says pretty fucking gruesome jesus yeah so however re the 911 call christian nielsen so those were the parents that came up his Mm -hmm. father and stepmother stated on the call that they thought that he did it oh geez yeah and when officials showed up that night and had done their like initial investigation they arrested him and he put up no fight he went willingly his own parents were like, my kid did that. Yeah, that's pretty fucked. <sighs> they were like, yeah, we think it was him. Nice. Cute. Cool. Mom and dad, don't do that to me, please. So officials start looking for the first known victim, which was James Whitehurst. Okay. Obviously, we know where the three women are. That is one person who's not accounted for. So they're looking for him. And it sounds like while I wasn't able to get a transcript or, you know, a better documentation of what the investigation the detectives were able to like interrogate out of um christian christian thank you i kept wanting to call him james because we're talking about james no anyway so yes <laughs> they i couldn't figure out how it came out with christian but christian did eventually admit to also killing james 
Oh, okay. And so they started looking for him. And I think that James had not disclosed why he came to stay at the inn initially. Um, and it kind of insinuated that the maintenance he was doing was not the original intention for his visit. Um, which I don't know how that has to do with Christian and him working at another inn and staying at, I have no idea, but he didn't like that. It sounded, I don't know if he just didn't trust him. I don't know what, but he kind of like kept being like, yeah, it was weird. We don't know why he was here. Like Christian didn't like James. Yes. So it might be false, but we can't prove otherwise. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I don't know if James' whole thing was that he was going to come up to help Julie. Maybe he knew her. I, we don't know, but we have no idea. But there was no reason for him to be there. Right. So he was gone, and Christian said that he had disposed of James like 10 to 15 miles north. Okay. And, yeah, so James is the one that was doing maintenance in, you know, exchange for a free room. Okay. So... James' entire existence there is, like, a little bit shady, but Christian is the one that fully killed him. Like, jeez. We'll be open about that. So, Christian said, was said to be cooperative, was said that he helped the cops. It sounded initially, and in honestly, most of the reports that I read, that all he really did was give them, like, oh, I disposed of him in the woods, like, up north, and gave them, like, probably 10 or 15 miles, something like that. So, officials are, like, looking, right? Um... And James' body was eventually found in Upton, Maine, that area. His body was burnt of dis and disposed of. So his body was last to be found, obviously, because the first three were just straight up in the house. But it should also be noted that while I found accounts of Christian leading investigators to James' body, I never found a timeline on that. So I don't know if that was pre, during, or post-charging. Mm. no idea i don't know if that was a plea bargain i don't know if he was just like yeah fuck it here it is like right night of no idea so he helped eventually and he did lead them to james body which was dismembered and burned in the woods Ugh. yeah so it sounds like christian walked them up to the body oh okay i lied i did find a little nugget in there i don't honestly again because i have no confirmation from the other sources that this is true could be it does say that he walked them out Monday evening after admitting to the murders. So that would be like, you know, pre getting charged with anything yeah, like that night. But um, I mean, all of my sources should be rep like reputable other than Murderpedia. But I'm pretty sure I found that from one of the New York Times once. So hopefully it's accurate. But that's all I got. And I like I said, I have sources. So I don't know. I'm kind of wary of things that only show up one time in reports. Hmm. But anyway. So it sounds like he did help them out, which was good. And it was the least he could do for James, which I feel really bad about. So, <laughs> however, once Christian had his arraignment, he went into the courthouse. He was charged officially and he was able to put in his guilty or his plea of guilty or not guilty or any of the others. Mm -hmm. You know, um, he was given no bail and he left the superior courthouse. And there are so many accounts of this of him smiling like a sick fuck. Ugh. which is just nasty like don't i hate that i know i've said this before but literally have some shame like i i don't think you should shame people for doing things out of their control or that they can't help but like you should have a little shame you ended four lives you let's didn't have maybe to kill not smile people. you didn't have to kill people no no none of this is out of his control it pisses me off so were they able to piece together what happened 
Oh, wait. I got this whole thing for you. Oh, my. So he was given no bail. He left the the courthouse smiling like a fix-up. Let me just speak so much pig Latin to you. Like a fix suck. Like a fix suck. Um, no, he left smiling like a sick fuck. And that sick being said, fuck. I'll throw in now that according to the Farmington police, Nielsen did have a record, but it was mostly traffic related violations. Okay, so, so nothing crazy. No, one of them was like a DUI in 1998, which was eight years earlier than this right and otherwise they said there was literally no other reason for them to look into him like why else would they know his name and his last brush was the year before and the only thing that he had that happened was he was issued a summons for driving after a suspended license and it sounded like they knew why the license was suspended and that had happened years ago so he was probably just driving around and never got caught i mean other than the dwi it's pretty small potatoes yeah like a i'm so sorry a speeding ticket i'm not gonna think you're a murderer you know what i mean yes so i don't blame the police but for not like you know catching his ass sooner catching on to him yeah he didn't do anything before but he had earlier been living um near the university of maine so i guess that despite like a lack of overwhelming prior history He wasn't allowed out on bail, which I was happy about because I feel like normally that would lead someone to be like, oh, okay, you're probably fine. But I also think it was horrific what happened and that probably played a larger role. Oh, I think just like, did he plead guilty? Um, He initially did not. I think he might have done like Nolo Contendre, which for those of you who don't know is like, I accept fault without admitting I'm guilty. It's really weird. Basically, you can't be tried again for it as a criminal, but you can be sued civilly for something that happened. And the other thing it does is it gets rid of like a big trial. So I think he tried to do that, but they were like, "Mm, we have to see if he's competent first. Hmm. So I don't think he actually got to like fully submit what he wanted to do. They wanted to do a competency one first, which was good. He actually had good attorneys, which kind of pisses me off because... I've always said, like, I don't think I want to be an attorney because I couldn't be a prosecutor. I'm too, like I said, I'm two unicorns that poop chocolate in a field prancing around to be a (laughs) prosecutor. But also, I wouldn't want to defend someone who's guilty, though what I have with defense attorneys is that it's a right given by the Constitution, and that's something I stand behind. So, like, effective counsel for someone is important. I would be okay doing that. So people are deserving of effective and competent counsel. Doesn't mean you want to do the job though. Right. It also doesn't mean that if you have effective and competent counsel, they're going to get you found not guilty. Effective counsel is to get you the best deal you can get, not to get you off. Mm -hmm. And I think that is frequently um, not portrayed well in our society. Well, Yeah. And it's, it's to prove your, you know, the burden of, burden of proof is on the prosecution, so they need to prove your guilt. It's not that the defense team needs to prove your innocence. Right. They just need to prove why those notions of guilt are incorrect. Right. Or why there's a reasonable enough doubt that it couldn't be you or that you deserve some sort of like, I don't know, ease on your sentence. Right. So he did have really good attorneys and he didn't take advantage of them at all. Nice. Which is part of what pisses me off. Like, yay, because good. But also, like, guy, 
this is a constitutional right. You might as well try to get the best out of this that you can because you killed four people. It's not going to be pretty. Anyway, he refused to talk to them. So his attorneys were like, uh, we don't think he's competent. Like, he literally will not even try to help us help him. Yeah. He just wasn't talking. So like, okay, okay, we'll do a competency thing. Um, but also, friends who don't know, an indictment is typically when a prosecutor files a charge against someone. An arraignment is the court proceeding where the defendant actually gets charged with that and puts in that police. So that's what we were just talking about was the arraignment. But if any of you are interested in like the textbook stuff, that's just the difference really quick for you if you were curious. So after we did that, Christian has no bail. He's being held until his trial. His attorneys think he's not competent. They want to do a competency hearing. So investigators at this point, we're going back to the crime scene. They knew that he had worked Sunday, right? So he wasn't there for Sunday. But they also knew that sometime on Sunday, he had killed Julie, the inn owner. Okay. So they don't know if it was before his shift or after his shift. They had no idea. But the other thing that really stumped investigators at this point in time was motive. They had no idea why any of this happened. Christian wouldn't talk. He wouldn't talk to his defense attorneys. He wouldn't talk to investigators about why. Um, And there was nothing to say there was like ill will between them. They worked out. So he was renting a room at an inn. Like it's a landlord situation at that point. It's not like he was late on rent. It's not like he was throwing ragers. He was quiet, you know, by all accounts and purposes. Nobody really expected it to be him. Well, yeah, and it just seems like everyone else was, like, everyone else that got hurt, too, in the process is, I don't know, didn't right. have anything to do with it either, so I Elusive. don't know. Elusive. It was a wild case. I'm actually impressed that they solved this just because of all of the different players and how disconnected they were. Can I guess? Yeah. Okay, so I think he killed Julie. Mm-hmm. And then I think the daughter and the friend showed up. Okay. And he was like, well... Y'all saw too much. Ooh. And then... That's a good theory. It's like my Laszlo... (laughs) Any idea on uh, James? Uh, He saw too much. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I have no idea. So we'll just put a little pin in that and we'll come back to Mm, it. Okay. So... I'm guessing I'm wrong. (laughs) Um, Closer than you think. So specifically between Nielsen and James, they had no idea. Like we were just talking about. Right. What in the fuck? Both of these people, complete strangers, just rent rooms from the same woman in an inn. And neither of them totally had like this huge reason why they were staying in that particular place and not just like getting an apartment. Right. And there was nothing otherwise to indicate that they knew each other, that they were friends, that they were like nothing, no relation, just kind of neighbors. Yep. So even though investigators knew that Christian knew Julie and suspected he knew both Selby and Cynthia, they couldn't confirm that he like knew julie's daughter and her best friend Mm -hmm. even though by all other accounts selby and cynthia literally went everywhere together right and i assume if your mom works at an inn close by because you moved after you're grieving your husband you're probably going to be around a lot Mm -hmm. so i assume he knew both of them but it wasn't confirmed by anyone they also had no indication for any motive between the women and him they're like, what in the fuck? And why the dogs? And why the and why I'm pissed? Again, it was in one article. I found nothing about why the dogs. That is such a big part of this for me. 
I'm fully in. I mean, like the people. Yes. But also why the I want dogs? justice for the three dogs. Tell me what happened. Do we know their names? Don't tell me. Their no, names. we don't know their names. I could not find them anywhere else. It was another like one off New York Times. It might have been one of the CBS articles that I read. Damn it, CBS. I know. Anyway. So. Let's see. We're going to go back to your theory. Ooh. Already. So, Monday, the 4th, before 530, Mm -hmm. Selby hadn't heard from her mother, which was weird. They talked a lot. They were close. And it was, like, a long weekend. So, I'm assuming Sunday night they probably would have, like, talked the way you do. And Sunday night was the night that Julie was killed. Right. So, she thought that her mom probably just had, like, another asthma attack. Um So, according to Selby's boss at Apple Tree Realty, her mother had bad asthma and would frequently get into, like, dangerous coughing fits, Mm -hmm. like, potentially fatal that would need, like, hospital intervention, stuff like that. So, when Selby hadn't heard from her and she couldn't reach her, she was really scared that she needed to, like, intervene with medical services or an EMT or something. Um, Obviously, on arrival, it seems that was not going to cut it because her mother was already passed by that point. Um, but due to the unexpected that visit, wasn't, that wasn't going to cut it. Is mm, that a dad joke? Um, yeah, a little bit, you but asshole. I didn't want to. Anyway, <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, due to the unexpected visit, her and her coworker, um, Cynthia, were surprised that Nielsen had not accounted for. And due to this, they were also both murdered. So they knew too much. They came in after their mom was dead. And he said, mm. <laughs> oh, whack, yeah. Okay, so he, they didn't walk in on him doing it. But I mean, what yeah. was he going to do? Just leave the body? Well, no, but also maybe. I mean, when police got there, bodies were in all the rooms or parts of bodies. They were all dis- dismembered and all of that. Okay, so outside was like a partial body? Yeah, I oh. think it was probably like a significant chunk Oh, I hate to say it like that, but I'm pretty sure because they knew it was a woman. Yeah. So there would have had to be enough to tell that. And then there were body parts scattered in the other room. Okay, so they were just kind of like, I don't know, there's two to three bodies. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) You know, roughly four to six arms. Oh, my God. Yeah. Terrifying. And I'm pretty sure just because they like found out that was it. So they don't have like a huge involvement in this. But it's really sad. Like, I found out that Cynthia and Selbio were, like, best friends and they went everywhere together, even though they were coworkers and had, like, a 13-year age difference. Um, what I, I wrote, women are too good for us. <laughs> uh, Bonita Sessions, the boss of both of them, so yep. the one who was talking about Selby's mom's asthma and all of that, she recounted that Selby was always smiling and Cynthia was so beautiful and animated. And she also said that they would be sadly missed by everyone and there will be a hole in everyone's heart. Oh, yeah. But that's just so awful. It's literally there's so many cases. And I, I feel like as I've been looking into like episodes that I want to do and certain stories, there are so many that are just happenstance. Yes. That are just wrong place, wrong time. You just happen to show up. I mean, like the odds it's just ugh. Well, and that could literally be us. Like, I know. Sad. And just, I don't know. (sighs) Let's stop murdering people and covering it up by murdering more people. 
Yeah. Like, you're not, you're not doing any favors by that. I was just, like, listening to the Matthew Hoffman case. Are you familiar with that? No. The, like, he was the guy who was, like, obsessed with leaves. Oh, (gasps) yes. I do know him. Okay. I love him. Um, Not I love him because I love him, but I love the fucking... Because he's a sick fuck. Weirdness yes. of leaves. Like, didn't he have them all over his house? Like, along the floor, everything. Yes. I think someday I might do that case, but... Anyway. This really weird thing where it was, like, he'd been looking at the house. He kind of, like... I don't know. It's hard to determine whether he, like, knew he wanted the daughter that lived there. Yeah. Or if it was just opportunity because the house was kind of secluded and there was an easy access point. But either way, he kills the mom... And then while he's, like, killing her, her best friend shows up. Like, the mom's best friend shows up because they had plans. Yeah. And she lets herself in the house. And then she walks in to her to this random guy murdering her best friend. He turns around, kills her. Uh-huh. Then the kids come home. And it's just, like, this whole thing. But it's just, like, that woman who was just the friend. Like, if she had come an hour later... He would have been probably gone. Or even like an hour earlier, he might have chose not to do it that day. Or like Which, they, okay. she could have picked her up and they would have already been gone. You know what I mean? It's just like this split second decisions. Yeah. I don't know. And I, I just want to recount and say, you know, her showing up early wasn't going to make it not happen. Right. He just might have picked a different time and it's not her fault. Her timing, she did not know. But... um. Yeah, it's insane. And he is such a wild guy. The Matthew trees Hoffman. thing. Yeah, yeah, the trees thing really gets me. I know. But I can't wait to hear it for if and when you do it. Ooh. Back to September 2006. Yes. Ooh, good memory. So um, further into the investigations, we find out that all of the bodies are found. They can confirm all four were shot to be killed. Okay. And then they were dismembered. Um, and James was the only one who was also burned. And he was the one that was dropped off far away. So he just got burned in yes. some remote area. Yeah. In the uh, woods. Yikes. So upon further investigation, law enforcement found a potential motive. Keep in mind, the article where I found this said it was to be posted like September 7th. So keep in mind, like three to five days after the murder. It's not like a finally we get there, but... It's also not confirmed because he never confirms a motive. Never? Yeah. Plot twist. Oh, my God. Spoiler. Whatever. So three to five days. It sounds like from a friend of Julie and Selby that there might have been a rent dispute going on. Like, it sounds like Julie might have tried to raise the rent and he didn't want that. But keep in mind, Julie was doing this to make ends meet. Like, she was trying to get income to keep the inn afloat. And so for her, it wasn't like something with James where he got a free rent because he was exchanging services for a room. Right. You know, Christian just stayed there and worked somewhere else and he was renting the room. So she was probably like, yeah, give me some more money. It's not like he was short. It's not like he was late, mm-hmm. but I'm sure they were in the process of that. And that like was renegotiating some terms. Yeah. That wasn't great. And that was heard from a friend. Again, it wasn't really confirmed by anyone close to the matter. Cause everyone close to the matter is dead besides Christian who won't talk. So, so yes, they're in the middle of trying to renegotiate some of these prices. But if you remember, I actually don't know if I said this. So maybe for the first time, Julie had put the black bear in up to sell in February. Oh, we did not know that. So that was like six to seven months earlier. She was like, this is hard. I don't want to struggle forever. 
one of her other daughters had actually just bought a house in New York. So she was going to go live there and spend time with that, you know, that child and her kids. And I mean, that sounds good to me if I'm like retired and just trying to do something for fun to be with my daughter in her hard time. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of get through it and she picks herself back up. She's got the realty license. She's like doing her thing. She's, she's back got on her feet. Family. Yeah. Like chosen family, her actual kids, family. Like she's just she's mm-hmm. good. So Julie was like, all right, I've tried my hand not doing it. She's going to put it up for sale. No one had bit. Yeah. Which, you know, it happens. It sucks, but it happens. And I'm sure for part of that was behind the motive of trying to raise rent. Didn't sound like she was out to like nickel and dime people, you know, and not when you're giving out free rooms for maintenance. Right. So she tried to sell it in February, but. It sounds like she was just at this point waiting for someone to bite before she could move to New York with her other daughter. So enter the trial, right? As per the usual, Nielsen was hoping to get out of this. His attorney was trying to do the incompetency mm-hmm. plan so that he couldn't stand trial. And friends, if you don't know the difference, competency, not being able to stand trial because of competency basically has to do with whether or not you can understand the situation, the charges, the trial process, the things that are ahead of you at the time of the trial. Whereas something like not guilty by reason of insanity would be not knowing right or wrong at the time of the crimes and not knowing the extent of what you're doing at the time of the crimes. So the difference there is really just timing of your mental state. Also, a key point here is also that a lot of states have it have made it illegal for the um not guilty by reason of insanity a lot of states have like overruled that like that's not an option yeah it's also i will say this in logistics it's never not guilty so if you're found not guilty by reason of insanity you're still guilty you just spend your life in like a psych ward instead of a prison which to be fair for the people who need that do need that and that's a really good alternative but it's also so unsuccessful to use not guilty by reason of insanity it's not even funny if your goal is to try to like skirt the system and try to get get away with something or whatever that's uh it's not gonna happen yeah the percentage on that is so low i forget what it is but like such few people even try to use it that the even smaller percentage that win it is minuscule, like right. tiny. So that wasn't really up for grabs. Yes. So we were working on competency. And I will say that it does sound like this actually might have been an okay plan and not necessarily plan as in like to skirt around it and get out of it. But like we said, he wasn't using his attorneys at all. His attorneys were really hoping for him to be deemed incompetent because basically they said that he was so detached he couldn't even aid in his own defense. Like, they're, they're probably just grasping at straws at this point. Well, yeah, because if he's not going to talk, all he said was like, yep, I, I did it. The only thing he said at the arraignment was, I'm here, when and they asked he, if he was then present. Then he smiled. Uh, on the way out. Like a thick suck. Like a thick suck. We're using that now, by the way. <laughs> I like it. So, however, the assistant attorney general who was the prosecutor on the case, his name was Andrew Benson, he insisted that Christian could aid in his own defense if he wanted to. He just didn't want to. He so was, it was choos- He's actively choosing not to. It was an ability. 
he had, he just didn't want to use it, which is different than the competency thing. So the judge assigned to the case, who was Justice Robert Crowley, agreed that he was like, yeah, this kid's competent. He's just choosing not to use the resources he has, which is his own damn fault, which is fine. Do we know how old Christian is? Christian is 30. Okay. Um, well, no, Christian's 31. So by the time the actual trial comes around, which is in a few months, he's like 32. Okay. But at this point in time, 31. I was picturing like this 18-year-old. I don't know why. Well, yeah, because it kind of sounds like that. And I will say, I read an article. I didn't include a ton in on here, but it was from right before the competency trials came out. And they were saying like, he had a rough childhood. Bro, the only thing that article said about his childhood was that he was a child of divorce. Which, don't get me wrong, it's not something that's easy or that didn't lead to, I'm sure, some sort of internal struggle and, like, having to sort that out and process that. But, you know, we see people like Catherine Knight who saw her mother get raped in front of her and then when she got sexually assaulted got told to get over it. This is not that same level. Like, Mm -hmm. that is not on par. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, and it's unfortunately common yeah i mean half of marriage you know what i mean yeah one in every person in a marriage represents a divorced couple like Mm -hmm. it's half it's a lot and so i don't know i don't i'm not saying that it was easy for him or that you know he should have gotten over that but it's not an excuse to kill people and even mind you bringing up Catherine knight that's not an excuse to kill people but at least with that background and history you're like i see how that's normalized i don't see how this is normalized for him So he goes to this competency trial and he's found to be competent. Although, to be honest with you, it doesn't really sound like they end up meeting in one place. It kind of sounds like both of the attorneys just entered in their argument and the judge, you know, said yes or no from far away. Mm -hmm. But um, Robert Crowley, who was the justice, agreed that Nielsen was competent to stand trial. So he calls it a difference between capacity and willingness, sort of like we talked. The legal standard calls for the defendant to have the capacity to aid in his own defense. And while Crowley said that it would be unfair to subject someone to trial who couldn't, it's perfectly fair when the defendant simply won't, which I agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, so to be found competent, Nielsen must understand the charges brought against him, understand his own situation, and have the ability to cooperate with his defense attorneys in a quote-unquote rational and reasonable way. Benson had said this in court, um, which I will quickly remind you, Benson was the assistant attorney general. However, Nielsen did fit the standard despite some disagreement between clinicians. He actually had two psychiatrists do an assessment on him. I'm going to rescind that. I don't know if it was psychiatrists, but they were two counselors. Mental health professionals. Mental health professionals that were credentialed. And qualified to do the assessments. Right. So I don't know if they were able to prescribe meds or anything like that. We but don't know the letters after their names, but we know Just that, that they had the right ones. That they were, yeah, they yes. were able to do it. Gotcha. So he had two different ones do this mental assessment. So he had one, Dr. Anne LeBlanc, who said that he could take a larger role in his defense if he wanted to do so. But she was also a state forensic service psychologist. So I at least have her credentials. Mm. But um, she was basically saying, yes, he's totally competent. And then Dr. Charles Robinson, who was the other one, he was a defense psychologist, concluded that Nielsen's mental illness prevented him from engaging his lawyers or engaging with his lawyers. So a couple of things here. Number one, 
a state forensic service psychologist is probably working for prosecution, that, whereas just a defense that. psychologist is probably helping the defense. Yeah, you got to follow the money on that one. I don't know that I necessarily buy that. It sh- that shouldn't be partisan. You know what you think. You know. would think. That's just weird. So I will say this, though, in defense of at least Anne LeBlanc, um, she did say that he was competent, but she also said that he was very mentally ill. And both of them agreed on a lot you know, other than this conclusion, but including the fact that they all thought he had potential diagnoses of schizoid personality disorder, Asperger's, and suspected other mental illnesses. Um, But these don't determine competency. Obviously, they're mental illness. You can also have a combination or all of those things and not do what he did. And you can have a combination and all of those things and be incompetent or be competent. They have no impact on your ability to think and process right from wrong and understand a trial process. It's on an individual basis. So, but it's like, Oh, they, they thought that he had mental, like, I don't, I have letters after my name. None of them are clinical. And I can tell you this guy's mentally. Yes. I have letters after my name. I'm not doing this. I also have mental illness. I'm not killing people. Like, uh, I'm like not to brag, but like enough. I have enough mental illness to know (laughs) (laughs) I'm not killing people, but being, like suffering from a mental illness it doesn't mean that you you know carry yourself in a criminal way or engage in criminal acts or anything like that that is ugh. yeah it's very frustrating but I'm glad that they also didn't see it that way that's good and also just for those of you who don't know I wanted to put this in because I remember I told you in the intro if you listened to that that I studied psychology and criminal justice, so this is right up my alley. But one of the things that bothers me so, so much is the non-distinction in our culture about the different schizoid disorders. So I wanted to do a very, very quick side tangent on that. Um, There is a difference in schizoid personality disorder and schizophrenia. Schizophrenia is categorized as a psychotic disorder, and when it's active, can include delusions, hallucinations, disorganized speech, trouble with thinking, and lack of motivation. However, with treatment, most of these symptoms generally improve and greatly are greatly improve, and the likelihood of a recurrence is highly diminished if it's treated properly. Isn't it also with schizophrenia that one of the biggest sort of telltale signs is the auditory and visual hallucinations, and there are a lot of antipsychotic medications that they can be prescribed. I mean, not that it's foolproof or not that it's perfect because there's a lot of side effects of those medications and we know a lot about that, but that there's a way to control that and put that, you know, at bay. When treated properly, absolutely. And the other thing to remind you guys of also is with a psychotic disorder, you don't hide that. Like this guy was calm. He was quiet. He was described as a good worker kept to himself if you're schizophrenic and you're suffering from these hallucinations be it visual or auditory people are going to know because you're going to be freaked the fuck out or you're going to be talking to them and you can't hide that super well the other thing with a psychotic disorder is that with the disorganized speech and the trouble with thinking you're probably not going to be able to hold a job because you're going to be talking to the alien and like in front of the person that you're talking to and be beside yourself that it's there and right And that's the, oh my gosh, that's the other thing. I took an abnormal psych class. I loved it so much. But we got to watch these 
documented interviews between a psychiatrist and a variety of people with schizophrenia. And it was fascinating. And these people, God, they deal with so much. Like, mm-hmm. it is terrifying. Obviously, I have never taken a hallucinogen at all because I'm so afraid to see what my brain would come up with. Like, I joke about it. Like, oh, I don't need to see that. But, like, I don't need to see that. <laughs> I can imagine what hell it must be to constantly see your brain's worst nightmares appearing in front of you like they're real. And there's so many people that struggle with that. And there's sometimes they'll use other substances to try to self-medicate because they don't know what's going on. And in some ways they end up making their symptoms worse by adding all these other substances into it too. It's just, it's just like this, this cycle that's so difficult to break. And we just, we lack a lot of really good mental health care and knowledge. Actually schizoid personality disorder is a personality disorder, obviously, But it is an uncommon condition which people avoid social activities and consistently shy away from interactions with others. These people also have a limited range of emotional expression and might be seen as a loner or dismissive um, and obviously kind of have a hard time showing emotion, but they also might lack the desire or skill to learn from or to form close personal relationships. So everyone was like, yeah, he was quiet. He kept to himself. He was like that with everyone. He just didn't have anyone he was close with and I'm glad that he called his dad but I don't even know that they were close like his dad is the one who was like yeah he probably did this Mm. so that kind of sucks for him but that's really the difference there one is a psychotic the other one's a personality disorder we're dealing with a personality disorder so this does make sense in accordance with some of the other diagnostics that they thought he might have like Asperger's or you know a mild form of autism which they are the same thing. They're now on a scale thanks to the DSM-5. And while I am not a doctor and I don't have the funky letters to diagnose anyone, I do love reading through the DSM-5. And I think, you know, if this had been a longer process, if it wasn't for the court, they might look into differential diagnostics because I kind of go by the Occam's razor rule when it comes to mental illness, which is if one thing fits all the boxes, it's probably that. And if two things fit all the boxes and they're still unchecked boxes, it's probably the one that has more boxes. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So probably would have looked into that if they had more time, but I assume they didn't care because it was about competency and not his diagnostic um, list, which I love, but they didn't. It, need. Was, it wasn't necessary. Yeah, they didn't need. So that being said, um, both of these psychologists who worked on his competency um, are the ones that were giving diagnostics and they both agreed on a bunch but what they didn't agree on is whether or not he was competent so the judge had to and the judge said he was competent gotcha which is wild to get two different psychologists and then have them cancel each other out like i would think if you're gonna have more than one have three it just seems really odd to me that there's a psychologist for the state yeah and or a psychiatrist for the state and one for the defense and that just seems like okay well i wonder what you're gonna say literally so I don't think that should be adversarial. I think mental health should just be mental health. But what do I know? Nonetheless, Christian is deemed competent for trial. So onwards, we get to the actual trial month, which, you know, now we've moved forward. It's taken time to do all of this. 
But October 9th, 2007, more than a year is gone. It's taken time to investigate, arrest, arraign, test for competency, and have Christian deemed competent, and then to prepare cases. Take some time. So Christian's 32. We're in October. It's still spooky season, but we're in 2007. So when it came time to actually talk at court, initially, Nielsen wanted to try the insanity defense that not guilty by reason of insanity, but literally dropped it right before the jury selection. Hmm. So once again, don't know what happened, but his counselor or counsel for defense was probably like, bro, that doesn't work. And if it does work, it doesn't get you out of prison time. It gets you sent to a psych hospital. So do what you want. But he dropped it right before jury selection. And then when it came time for him to actually talk about what happened, he said he didn't know why he did it either. Hmm. And killed four people. He killed James on a Friday, Julie on a Sunday, and Selby and Cynthia on Monday. And didn't, like, Selby and Cynthia both had younger kids? Yep. That's just so terrible. Can you even imagine? Selby, 12, and an 8-year-old. And these kids just lost their dad in a car accident. Oh, my God. They're literally orphaned. And they just lost their mom and their grandmother. Mm -hmm. And just moved to the other side of the country. Assuming from their dad's family. Like... Oh my God, that's just, it's, that's so terrible. Shitty as hell. I hope that they got services and resources and help. I wasn't sure, but it did look like at the end it was possible that the sister that had moved to New York, so she was technically a stepsister and a stepdaughter, Mm -hmm. but it seems like she might have taken the kids or at least she had them in custody at the time of the trial. That's good. So I'm hoping they were able to stay in the family, you know. And I hope that they got to keep their privacy however they wanted it. So we won't focus on them too much. But yeah, but my heart breaks for them. It's so sad. So I said, Nielsen said that he didn't know why he did it. And then I immediately said, fuck that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because James, who, by the way, is the only guy that we have no information on, is also the only one who was burnt and buried in the middle of nowhere. Like him? His mom was there. Mm. His mom got to that trial, found out that her child was burnt, dismembered, and buried in the woods for no reason. That's awful. Like, can you imagine that? Like, you're going to this trial. You're imagining what this fix suck is going to say. And you're like... Oh, what if he says that, like, my son did something bad and it was provoked and, you know, whatever. Like, I'd be nervous, like, oh, my gosh, what happened? What don't I know? And then you get there and the only answer is, no, I don't know. Basically just because he felt like it? Uh-huh. Are you fucking kidding me? Well, that's like with Mark Twitchell. He just, he just kind of wanted to try it. Yeah. He, he saw a TV show and was like, I really like that. And I will say, for people who like weird murdery TV... There is an episode, not an episode, a show on Netflix called The End of the Fucking World. Fucking is all, you know, start out except for the F. <laughs> and it's this kid who says basically he thinks he's a psychopath and he wants to murder someone. Hmm. He's like, think I'm a psychopath. I don't feel a lot. I've tried to feel stuff. I don't. I want to kill someone. So it goes through this whole thing of him fixating on this girl and then them actually becoming friends. So it's a wild ride. It's a good TV show. But hey, guess what? If you watch that, you still don't get to just like kill someone because you feel like it. <laughs> TV or otherwise. Talking to you, Christian. So, so I said, what the fuck? And then, you know, James' mom was there. And 
she said, he can't give me a motive for why he killed my son. He doesn't know. And she traveled from Arkansas just for the court trial that week. I mean, of course, who wouldn't miss it? No, not for the world. But just to go out there to come back with no closure, no answers. No, nothing. More questions than, you know, you had but when you were going there. So in court, the only thing that was ever brought up was apparently the prosecutor had heard that the only reason Christian had for killing James was he was objectionable. Which, to nothing. He, he said objectionable to nothing. Like, objectionable, period. Like to, he just for what? Minded his own, like, what? To, like, him fighting with the landlord about the rent? Yeah. To, you know what I mean? So I said, bro, to what? Dying? Watching you kill Julie? All of the other? Like, yeah. me too? <laughs> I'm also objectionable to that? Like, I know. Um, however, even further disgusting was that he claimed the murder of Julie Selby and Cynthia were to cover up killing James. Which I call bull fucking shit. Because if you write, remember, Friday's Friday. He doesn't work all of Saturday. And then Sunday he kills Julie. So if Julie was out and about doing whatever she'd be doing, I don't know, maybe running the inn or seeing her daughter beats me. If he kills James on Friday... He has all of Saturday to dispose of that body, which he dragged out to the woods 10 to 15 miles away. I don't know. I could do that. Like, I'm not strong. I probably couldn't drag someone, but like I could walk 10 or 15 miles in a day or like take an ATV out. He didn't take his car to do it. I don't know. I didn't read into whether or not they investigated if he drove out because he admitted to everything. Yeah. So it'd be one thing if they were like trying to pin it on him, but right. he already had, you know, claimed that he did it. So... I just know if it was me, I could get out there, burn a body, and then, I don't know, like... Be home for supper. Be home for supper, yeah. And not for nothing, and not to be too gross or graphic, but once somebody's burnt, like, those bones aren't really going to have a lot of hold against your saw. So, like, it's probably a lot easier to dismember after burning someone than before. Mm. And then he just buried the parts in the middle of the woods and left. Yeah. Like... It, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that you should or that he's better because he did or didn't. But like having an entire day to do that, more than that even, because you think about Friday night into Saturday. Yeah, don't claim that you killed other people because of that one. Right. And Julie, like, yeah, she might have asked. But you could also just say, oh, you know, the random guy that showed up out of the mil- middle of nowhere for a month. Yeah, he left. They were just so needless. All of this did not have to happen. Absolutely preventable. And then the next day, yeah, they were probably going to start looking for Julie, but like they didn't walk up on her dead body, to my knowledge. Again, I don't know because he wouldn't fucking say anything, but like unless he's just leaving her there. Right. What are they going to do? They're going to come up and be like, where's my mom? He could be like, I don't know, out. Because why wouldn't he? Instead, he just murders three people, four people for no reason, but three people for the most bullshit reason and one for being quote unquote objectionable. Fucking careless. So this obviously bothers me. (laughs) I thought you were like totally cool about it. No. And I don't know. I just don't believe it. I don't believe that there was no motive. I don't believe that there was no motive for killing four people. No, but some people get joy and satisfaction and people wondering why that they won't say it yeah yeah 
I don't know. It's just fucked up. And so Christian admitted to using a hacksaw, a chainsaw, and a pickaxe mm. to dismember the bodies. So three different tools plus the gun to kill them. That's loud. Yeah. I'm guessing it's like, a, it's got to be like a really remote place. I assume remote enough. You know what I mean? Like, ugh. So James was burnt once he was in the woods. None of the others were burnt. There was no reason for this. None was accounted for. Um, Christian's attorneys wanted him to continue with the insanity defense in hopes that he could go to a psych hospital because they were like, bro, actually, you kind of need that. Like, <laughs> but he did not. Um, and the defense attorneys did say that they had to respect what he wanted. They work for him. That's how the council works. So mm-hmm. that sucked. And I will say we'll finish this case with the charge. He was charged on October 18th, 2007. Um, and he was sentenced to life in prison, which in Maine is without the possibility of parole, just as is, which mm-hmm. I love. Because how many times do we see life in prison and then someone gets out in like 10 years on good behavior? Mm-hmm. Yeah, ridiculous. So I like that. And during the trial, Christian stated that he didn't know why he did it, but he was just obsessed with the idea of killing someone for years. Um, after the verdict was read, and only after the verdict was read, did he apologize for any of the crimes he committed. Jesus Christ. So I wanted to end it with some quotes from the families and ask you if you believe that he really had no idea what he did or why he did it. So I want to read first from his dad. Christian's dad? Mm-hmm. Okay. So Charles Nielsen. We realized the ripples of the horror, disbelief, and pain were instantaneous and far-reaching. The event tore a hole in our community. Our joys and our serenity came to an abrupt halt. That came two weeks ago. And wait, that came two weeks and three days after the killings. Um, Charles Nielsen also apologized for the pain his son had caused and then asked the judge for compassion before he turned to Christian and said, I love you. Mm -hmm. Which makes my heart break because I am blessed in that. I know pretty much no matter what I do, I can go home and my parents will still love me. That like hit a chord with me was Mm -hmm. like, if that was me, my parents would be like, we're so sorry. I hope he wasn't an only, like, I'm an only child, so, like, my parents, like, all my parents' eggs are in one basket, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, if, if I do that, they're, you know, that's it. <laughs> they're so well. So. So that um, was from his dad, and I liked that one just because, you know, I do think at the end of the day, mercy and compassion and empathy are what continue to drive the good in life. And even though his son um, did the opposite of that, he is still able to provide a little more, which is a little overpowering, hopefully. Um, next, I want to talk from one of the kids of Selby Bullards. So it was a statement that was read by the son of Selby. And he said... How my life changed and I was forever wounded. He couldn't understand the violence that took his mother's and grandmother's lives. They have all walked the stairway to heaven, he read. At least there's no violence up there. And lastly, Diana Taylor, who was James' sister, said that she views Nielsen not as insane, but as a calculating killer that she likened to the devil. When I first saw him on TV, he had the smirk on his face like, look what I did, people. She said that crying. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what he did. 
And that is the Bed and Breakfast Inn murders. That's very upsetting. And obviously, <laughs> obviously, but I, I fuck, I don't buy it. I just fucking don't buy it. No, I think he's full of shit. And I think he had planned it. I think he did it maybe in an off season where it wasn't that busy. I'm sure he was pissed about rent. And could you imagine if he were around now? No. Paying these rents up here in New England. Please. Brother. Please. Inflation, dude. You would not like it. Count your lucky stars. The DOC is paying for the roof over your head. Seriously. Actually, we are. We are. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But... But, um, yeah, so that was devastating and awful, but I don't, we just kind of, we went on several tangents today. How are you guys holding on? You still there? Yeah. Um, is this guys, thing on? Yoo-hoo. Sorry guys. Um, you can unclick your seatbelts though. The wild ride has stopped for today. <laughs> yes. Um, you know what? Take care of yourself. Drink some water, put some ice in that water. Cause it's a hot one. Um, hug your mom, pet your cat, kiss him right on the snoot if you want. Do what you want to do. What makes you happy? Um, and you know what? I would love to know what makes you happy. And I'd love to see that cat you just kissed. Um, but I kind of want to do it over email. Ellie, where can they send that? Oh, my God. If I remember correctly, it's about time, the number four, TC at Gmail. So let me just spell that out for you. You have your pen? Okay. I love that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ready? Mm-hmm. So it's A-B-O-U-T. A-B-O-U-T. T-I-M-E. T-I-M-E. The number four. The number four. T-C. T-C. Mm-hmm. Okay. At Gmail. At Yahoo? At Gmail. At Gmail.com. Bitch, okay, at Gmail. <laughs> and I think we have an Instagram page where I totally forget what it is. Could you tell me what that was? Absolutely. So a lot like that email, but also a lot different. It's oh, okay. <laughs> so was that like a good idea or? <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. Okay. Maybe. Um. <laughs> The Instagram is about time for true crime pod with a period in between every word. And that four. Now, what are we doing with that? So that is the word for, not the number. Okay. So, so let me just spell like that out. You got your pen? Uh, yep. Okay. Okay. So it's A-B-O-U-T. A-B-O-U-T. Period. Period. T-I-M-E period. T-I-M-E period. F-O-R period. F-O-R period. T-R-U-E period. T-R-U-E period. C-R-I-M-E period. C-R-I-M-E period. P-O-D. P-O-D. That's it. Okay. Um, because podcast was too long. I know podcast you were wondering about it. It was too damn long, guys. Um, but for real, that is the longest Instagram <laughs> handle. So thank you guys for listening to us say it every fucking time. And we're going to we're gonna get faster at it. No, we want it. A-B-O-U-T-T-I-M-E-F-O-R. Nope. T-R-U-E-C-R-I-M-E. Bidiots in between. Sure. Yep. You just forgot the pod at the end. Oh, anyway. in the pod. So. Yeah. So. Oy vey, guys. We love you guys. Thank you for hanging out. Please like favorite subscribe fucking rate tell a friend repost, everywhere you can tweet i don't know <laughs> you guys did you know that you can rate us on spotify and on apple and, and on rss left us like a super cute little review again we would boop all the noses oh my gosh so many nose boops oh mm-hmm. my god i'm handing them out like candy you get a nose boop and you get a nose boop and uh goodbye for all of oh. your little cheeks oh my goodness well thank you guys and we'll see you next time okay that was about, about time, time for true crime, crime. now get out of here Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye. Bye.